Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, well, hey, we started a new series last week entitled Supernatural. Uh, and as you can see by our super creative graphic there, it's supernatural. And uh, we are going to be filling in that blank over the next couple of weeks uh, with some words that start with the letter P. Uh, this, this series is brought to you by the letter P, just like Sesame Street, um, because we all know that Jesus loves alliteration. And uh, let me catch anyone up to speed real quick if you were not here last weekend. Um, we're talking about what it looks like to live a supernatural life. Not just to have these experiences once in a while, but to truly walk in the supernatural things of God. And I mentioned last week, that doesn't necessarily mean something spooky or weird or where people walk away from you because they're like, you're an awkward Christian and no one wants to be around you. I'm talking about the things of God, the, the, the movement of God in our life, where when people look at us and they survey the way we handle situations, they survey the way we navigate storms, they would have this kind of a statement about our lives, only God. Only God could have provided that open door. Only God could have provided that promotion. Only God could have given someone that level of joy in a situation like that. Only God could have brought a healing. Because according to the doctor, there was no way this thing was, was fixable. Only God. That's the kind of life that all of us should be living in. And I stated this last week, and I'll state it again. I am convicted of the fact that a supernatural life should be natural life for Christians. It should be absolutely normal for us to have a long list of things in our life where we can point at and say, only God did that. There's no way I could have done that in my own strength, in my own intellect, in my own ability. Only God could have done that. And that's my desire for you over these few weeks that we spend in this, in this series. If, uh, if right now you can pull off your life with your own resources, your own ability, your own intellect, I want to shake you up a little bit. And I want to get you to live the supernatural life that God has called each and every one of us to live. Can I get a baby Amen. Uh, and so uh, we are going to talk today about the second P word. We talked about supernatural perspective last week. Today, I want to talk to you about supernatural protection. And uh, I want to give you a, a kind of a thesis as we start out this morning. And I'll look at it here so I don't state it wrong. It'll come up on the screen if you want to write this down. But, but here's, my, here's my thesis today. Supernatural protection is a promise for God's people. Keeping the P train going here. <laughs> supernatural protection is a promise for God's people people. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you say, I've given him my life and I'm following him with everything. Hey, guess what? Supernatural protection is your inheritance. God has you covered. That's just the way this thing works. The moment you said yes to him, pff, hedge of protection around your life. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to go through the scriptures without finding story after story and line after line that illustrates and displays God's supernatural protection for his people. It is everywhere there in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament alone, there are 440 references to the supernatural protection of God over his people. Go through the list. You look in Genesis and you've got Abraham and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Go through Exodus and you've got Moses and God's protection over his people. Uh, Leviticus is the third one. You're like, there's nothing good in that book. Well, actually, uh, in that book, it talks about how if we live according to the commands of God and the ways of God, that he will provide protection for us. Numbers, Aaron speaks over the people. He says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And that word keep in the Hebrew, it means to protect you. May he cause protection to come about you. May, may he bless you in all that you do. And on and on it goes through every single book, you'll find the supernatural protection of God. And so it would be assumed as the people of God who kind of subscribe to this book that's all about him, 
If we read it and we read all these stories about his protection, it would be assumed that we should operate with great faith in life, understanding that we're covered, that we're protected. We should navigate every storm of this life going, you know what, I have supernatural protection. We should be able to step out and do things in faith that maybe other people don't quite understand, kind of take some risks in the name of the kingdom and do so with confidence. Why? Because we have supernatural protection. But you've probably noticed this as well as I have, that those sorts of things are easier said than done, are they not? <laughs> we should, but for some reason we still operate with levels of fear and levels of trepidation. Why? Because maybe that, that, that truth, that promise isn't quite cemented in our hearts yet. And so here's what I, do, I want to do over the next couple moments. I want to look at a scripture, uh, a scripture that I love out of the book of Psalms. And, and my hope is that we could draw down on this promise a little bit of supernatural protection. And that you would leave here today convinced. Especially, listen, especially if you're in a season right now where you're doubting it or you desperately need the protection of God. You would leave this place today confident. God has me covered. Amen. Uh, if you got a Bible, open it up to the book of Psalms, or let's, let's call it Psalms, since everything starts with the letter P today. Um, sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> Psalms chapter 91, uh, verse 1 through 7. Psalm 91, verse 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible, we'll throw it on the screen for you. It says this, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find a rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you. See, he's switching it now, telling you. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithfulness will be your shield and your buckler. Do not be afraid of the terrors at night, nor the arrows that fly in the day, nor dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, and though ten thousand are dying all around you, these evils will not touch you. Come on, that's a good promise this morning from the Word of God. So supernatural protection. Let's pray, and we're going to get into this this morning. And we'll have some fun. We'll leave here crying. It's going to be great. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it has the power to transform us. I thank you for your presence here today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that over these next few moments as we study your word, that this promise of protection would be cemented in every heart. God, that we would know you've got us surrounded. You've got us covered. Especially those that are in a season right now where they're being asked to maybe step out in an area of faith or do something that might look a little bit risky on the surface, but they know in their heart is the right thing to do because you're asking it of them. I pray that they would know that as they step out, they're protected. Especially those that are walking through seasons that are difficult right now and it feels like the attack is coming from all angles. I pray that even they would know today they're protected. And just as the scripture said, this thing will not take them out. You have them in the palm of your hand. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Um, how many have sons? Anyone in the room who has uh, sons? I have all daughters, but uh, sons? Okay, good. A lot of you guys. You'll, you'll resonate with what I'm about to talk about for just a moment. Have you noticed um, that boys play the dumbest games? <laughs> yes. Okay. 
See, you're all, <laughs> it's amazing when you say just a single, single sentence, everyone's like, oh yeah, and they start playing out those things that boys do. Um, if you were to take a, a group of boys and you put them in a solitary room and you said, find something to do without any toys, it is only a matter of moments before all of those boys will collectively agree to partake in some game that is inevitably going to inflict pain on one another. That's what boys do. We're all about hurting one another. And uh, it would be assumed as you get older and you mature that you would do just that, that you would mature. But no, in fact, the older you get, the more expensive and more painful the games get. That's just how it works. I remember being a kid and we would play some of the dumbest games. And the whole point of the game was just to hurt the other guy. Uh, when I was a kid, we played this game called Dead Arm or Dead Leg. Anyone ever play that game? It's a really intellectual game where um, literally all you do is hit somebody in the shoulder or in the thigh as hard as you possibly can over and over and over again, and the first person to cripple loses. Like, it's, it's a great game. You should try it when you get home. Uh, anyone ever play quarters? I know that's an old one, but quarters. So the game of quarters, you, you flick a quarter and you see how long it spins, and if you can keep it spinning longer, longer than the next guy, then you get to take your quarter and he has to put his knuckles down on the table and you flick your quarter at his knuckles until they bleed. Great games. I don't know where we come up with this stuff. I literally did that game with Pogs. Anyone remember Pogs back in the day? <laughs> I'm dating myself. Okay. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Never mind. Uh, but there was, a, there was a game I played at 12 years old that I got roped into with some older guys uh, that I've never played since because it scarred me as a child. I remember when I was 12 years old, uh, my, my dad, who's an attorney, he had taken uh, this intern from Southern California and brought him into our house to live with us for a period of time uh, because he was going to be interning at his law firm. And the guy was 21 years old, and, you know, I'm a 12-year-old kid, and when you're a 12-year-old, I never had an older brother, and when you're a 12-year-old living with an older guy, you're like, this is my role model, and I wanted to be around him all the time and do everything he did. And uh, he, was a, uh, he was a Christian, um, and, uh, <laughs> and so most of the things he did were, were great. But there was a, a season where he invited some friends of his from Southern California to come and stay with us for a little while. And uh, these guys that were in their 20s were now living in my house teaching this 12-year-old about some of the adult games that they played. And they introduced me to a game called Open Chest. Now, if you've never heard of this game, again, really, really intellectual game. Basically, you punch each other in the chest as hard as you can until somebody cripples. Now, the only caveat is, if you have your arm covering your chest, then they can't hit you. But if your arms are at your side or you forget that you're in the middle of this game, all they have to do is kind of in like an O'Doyle rules kind of voice, like, O'Doyle rules. They can, they can just say like, open chest. And as soon as they say that, poof, everybody can hit you in the chest as hard as they'd like. Now, I'm 12 and these guys are 21, just for perspective. So clearly, as the guy who was new to the game, I, was, I, I wasn't keen on, like, A, how long this game could go on. It could go on for days, and you had no idea when it was over. And you'd just come down for breakfast in the morning, like, open chest, and you're like, ah! So I'm getting pummeled for, like, three or four days in a row by these, like, guys in their 20s as a 12-year-old. So finally, my dad comes over to me one day, and he's like, hey, I have a plan. I'm like, yeah, I have a plan, too. How about you kick out the freaking intern that's beating up your only son and honor me, like... That's a great plan. Let's go with that one. He's like, no, I have a better plan. So he takes me upstairs and he says, uh, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to tell these guys that when you come down, there's a good chance you'll forget that you're playing open chest. And I'm going to have them stand around the corner so they can hit you as hard as they can as you come down the stairs. I'm like, I don't like this plan at all. This is a horrible plan. He's like, no, 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 wait, there's more. And he slides me a cutting board. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this underneath your shirt. Come on. 
That's my kind of dad. That's the kind of dad I'm gonna be. Slide this cutting board under your chest and then make a racket coming downstairs so that they know you're coming. So I go upstairs and I tuck this cutting board under my shirt and he goes down and he whispers to me, he's like, hey, when Tim comes downstairs, there's no way he's gonna remember that you're playing this game. You guys should just stand around the corner and unload on him. Now, as a 21-year-old guy, you would think you're smart enough to realize that a father of a 12-year-old is probably not gonna give you these kind of, this kind of advice. But based on the fact that they already played these, this game, we understand like how intellectual these guys were. So I come down the stairs making all kinds of racket, making sure they know I'm coming like, hey. Crazy obvious, didn't even click in their heads. I turn around the corner and when I turn around the corner, there are three guys waiting there and they just, as hard as they can into my chest. And I will never forget the sound of knuckles breaking <laughs> and blood falling. It was the greatest moment of my 12 year old life. I'm like, I work out, you know, like, no. <laughs> Come on, how many wish you had a dad like that, okay, yeah. <clears throat> now, I tell you that story for a purpose, um, <laughs> because it's fun. No, I, I, here's what I believe, and, and the reason I was thinking about that story this week. I feel like there's probably some people here in the room this morning who, who feel like you might be in this prolonged game of open chest with the enemy. Follow me. <laughs> like, really, this is the analogy you're drawing? And it feels like every time you turn a corner or every time you step out in faith, the enemy is just there waiting to take you out. Like, like every time God whispers to you, hey, share your faith, or every time you try to take that next step in this journey with God, or every time you pray again for that lost family member, every time you, you muster up enough faith again to believe for the miracle, it feels like the enemy is just there ready to take you out. And, and I have a pretty good dad, but here's what I know. You have a better father who's in heaven that today would pull you aside and I believe he's gonna give you a supernatural strategy so that you can stand against the ever-present onslaught of your enemy. He's gonna give you what you need. Now, he may not pull you out of the battle. In fact, God doesn't pull us out of the battle because he doesn't want weak Christians. He wants us to have the ability to fight against our adversary. But he will give you supernatural protection and he will give you strategy in the midst of it today. If you were to, for a moment, get a glimpse into the spiritual realm today, if the curtain of reality was pulled back and you could see into the spirit, here's what you'd find. You are in a fight, whether you like it or not. There are, there are demons that have been assigned to you. The enemy is after your future. He's after your health. He's after your finances. He wants to take you out. In fact, according to scripture, his whole job description is to steal and to kill and to destroy your life. That's what he wants to do. And if we could see in the spirit, we would see this warfare that is taking place for our life. And listen, it doesn't quit. It is a 24-7 battle. It is nonstop. Do you remember what the guy said here in the scripture in Psalm 91? He, he said, uh, there's terrors at night, there's arrows that fly by the day, there's disease that stalks in the darkness, and there's disaster at lunchtime. Like, there is so much coming your way. The enemy is after you. But in the midst of this scripture, the psalmist makes this seemingly cavalier statement. He's like, hey, but don't be afraid. Yeah, but like, there's like arrows <laughs> and disease and disaster and oh my. Like, there's all this stuff that's coming at me. He says, don't be afraid. And then he makes this audacious statement, and I love it. He says, because though a thousand fall at your side, and though 10,000 are dying all around you, 
this evil will not touch you. In other words, though you've witnessed people right next to you, those closest to you, maybe not make it through the same season that you're walking through right now. While you might have witnessed this sickness take somebody else out. While you look around your world and everybody else who's in the same situation you are doesn't seem to be able to navigate through it, don't you worry about your life because even though everybody else has been taken out, there's a protection that is available to you that maybe everybody else doesn't have access to and this thing will not take you out. I prophesy that over somebody's life today. This thing will not take you out. This sickness will not take you out. This moment in your life will not take you out. Why? Because you have supernatural protection. It's, it's been guaranteed to you. And he doesn't just leave it there, but he gives us some specifics about this. So he says, this supernatural protection in, in verse four, it says, he, God, will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings and his faithfulness will be your shield and your buckler. This supernatural protection comes in the form of God's faithfulness, which is a shield and a buckler. I want to camp on that scripture for just a couple of moments because I think there's a truth that we need to unlock there and be convinced of if we're going to live in this supernatural protection. Let's start with faithfulness. He says, God's faithfulness is your shield. Faithfulness, it means this, consistent, steadfast, and reliable. In other words, what he's saying is that the person being referred to as faithful has a track record of never failing a track record of being consistent, a track record of being reliable. If they said they're going to do it, then it's already spoken for. If they did it before, they're going to do it again. You can go to the bank on this. He's faithful. He's always going to be faithful. I am incredibly grateful today that there are some really faithful people in this church. I know we honored Carlos and Kara just a moment ago. They are faithful to sing out and worship over the set and pray over people's lives every single week. We got people that are faithfully showing up every week to set this building up and make it look like a church. And uh, we have people that faithfully give every single week. Thank you. You're my favorite people in the room. <laughs> we have some faithful people here at the Father's house. And I mention this guy often, but um, I... I feel like I have to because he's just one of the greatest examples of faithfulness. But our friend Isaac Barch, who is in the uh, production booth back there. I love you, sir. Isaac is one of the most faithful people I know. Not only is he a faithful believer and he loves the word and he's faithful to pray and he's faithful to give me prophetic words about what he believes God's going to do in our church. And he's faithful to his family, all 10 of them. He's, he's an incredibly faithful guy. That was not a joke. There's really 10 of them. But he is incredibly faithful to this church. In fact, I text him this week to confirm this, but I lied to him and told him it was for an argument I was in, but it really was a sermon illustration. Uh, Isaac is the only person in the Father's house who has not missed a single Sunday since we started, including me. Like, I've not been here once, but he's been here every single week. And you're like, okay, that's kind of impressive. It's really impressive when you realize that somewhere around December, he had twin babies, and he's still here every single week. Although if you had eight kids, I'd probably run to church too and get away from my family. But you know, whatever. And here's how faithful Isaac is. Every single week when we show up here at 7 o'clock to set the rest of the church up, somehow he's broken into this building a little bit early. And he and his slave labor of eight children have set up half of the stage already. All the boxes are out and they're in the kids' ministry space ready for the kids' team to break it down. Like, 
Like they're just, they're here every single week, working hard and sweating and just making stuff happen. And listen, his faithfulness instills confidence in me. When I show up at seven o'clock with my daughters who are not nearly as spiritual as his, They're more worried about what they look like in the mirror before they get here. His daughter's like pushing carts around and sweating. And Mike is like, are my heels okay? Like, <laughs> tone it like it is. When I show up, I never have to doubt whether or not Isaac's in the building. I'm confident that when I show up, the production area of our church is taken care of. We're covered in that area. Never once have I had to text him on a Saturday night and be like, hey, just want to remind you, church is tomorrow, just in case you didn't remember. No, he knows. I've never had to call him at 8.30 on a Sunday morning like, hey, no call, no show. If that's been one of you, just go ahead and let the conviction of the Holy Spirit sleep on you right now, yeah, because you ain't got eight kids. Never once. He has a track record of being faithful. And that track record instills a confidence in me knowing we're covered. Now, that is just a baby glimpse of the kind of confidence we should walk in when it comes to supernatural protection. A sense in knowing that we are completely covered. That I don't have to worry about what I'm facing or what's come my way or what attack is coming from the left or the right. I have a confidence instilled in me because I serve a faithful God who time and time again has been faithful to his promises, has been faithful to his word. Over and over and over again, I've seen his faithfulness. And so I don't need to worry about what's coming my way. I am confident in the fact that I'm covered. And not just covered, but covered on all sides and in all seasons. Listen to that. If you're taking notes, in fact, why don't you go ahead and write that one down. You are covered on all sides and in all seasons. This isn't the kind of covering or protection that lifts occasionally. No, all sides, all seasons. Let me prove it to you. He, he likens this faithfulness to a couple of shields. He says, God's faithfulness to you is like a shield and a buckler. Now, he's not mistaken in using two words here. And just as there's two separate words in the English, there's two separate words in the Hebrew. And they mean different things because both of these shields have a different application. They are made for different seasons and different situations. And for the sake of our conversation today, I'm going to call them a passive shield and an active shield. Let me explain. Number one, he says, the shield. We'll call this the passive shield. Uh, it is the word in Hebrew, tzana, tzana. <laughs> I know Hebrew totally, absolutely. Uh, tzana. And, and here's what the word tzana means. It means to be completely surrounded or completely covered. Uh, in fact, the word, it, it gives this illustrative picture of a shield that is so large that it wraps around the entire body of the person holding it. Uh, in fact, some translations, if you read the NLT, they've called it body armor because it is that comprehensive. It covers from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. No part of you is left exposed. And when a warrior walked out onto a field with a tenas shield, he understood that he didn't have to worry about arrows that were flying that he didn't see, 
a warrior that might come in from behind. No, he was completely covered like body armor from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He knew, I'm not going to get taken out. It was the kind of surrounding shield that, that protected him and put a confidence in his heart. The Bible says it like this. Uh, when you came to Jesus, you were giving, given warring angels. Just as there's an enemy that's 24-7 trying to take you out, you got angels fighting on your behalf, if you could see into the spirit right now. And they are surrounding you. The protection of God is surrounding you. Some translations have called it a hedge of protection. Like on all sides, in all situations, you are covered. And, and this is the kind of shield that every believer walks in. The moment you said to, yes to Jesus, it was like... Like force field came around you, okay? And I hate to use that reference because I don't watch Star Wars or Star Trek or Star anything, and it's two weeks in a row where I've made weird force field references, but if for those of you who that helps, that's all for you, okay? Like it's a completely surrounding thing. And the moment you said to Jesus, it's like you, yes to Jesus, you stepped into this shield. And here's the deal. You probably won't know what it feels like to not be protected from that until you step outside of it. You probably don't even realize how protected you are today. There have been things that you didn't have to walk through, situations you've been protected from, sicknesses that tried to take you out that you weren't even aware of, but a battle took place on your behalf in the spirit and you were protected without your knowledge. You're like, okay, how can you prove that? Uh, I can't because I don't know exactly what's going on in your world and I don't see in the spirit. But there was a gal in our church, her name is Megan, uh, and I want to read you a story that she sent us this week in one of our praise cards because I think it so perfectly illustrates this uh, Sanaa shield, this surrounding shield for us. She said, uh, oh, by the way, a uh, little framework for you. Um, this is in the wake of uh, last week's mass shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. How many know we just need to pray for our nation right now? That's like three in the last week. I just do not understand it, and I'll go on a rant if I go, if I, if I, if I go down that road. But we desperately need a move of God in the United States if we're going to see peace instead of violence and just pray for our nation in this season. But uh, in the wake of that and the tragedy that it was, uh, she, she wrote this praise card to us. She said, today, which was last Sunday, was our second time visiting the Father's House San Francisco. Last week was our first visit, which we enjoyed along with the first Discover class. I was raised agnostic at best and have struggled with faith for the last 10 years. I always kept thinking, how do I know that God is real? Today, I know. We have gone to the Gilroy Garlic Festival every year since I was nine years old. I volunteered there every year since I was 16, with a few exceptions. This year was the same, except we had just checked out this cool new church. So instead of volunteering for both Saturday and Sunday like we usually do, we decided to come home late Saturday night. That way we could come to church and go to the second Discover class Sunday morning. If it hadn't been for the church, we've been right where the police believe the active shooter entered the garlic festival and began shooting. That was where they'd be stationed. This comes after a series of coincidences from a chance sighting of the Vibe team with signs on Sunday morning to seeing the ads on two different buses two days apart, prompting me to look up the church and plan a visit that very Sunday. This is one coincidence too many. This was more than a sign. This was a message. I don't know what God has in store for me, but I'm listening. What is that? That's supernatural protection. That's God orchestrating the events of somebody's life to keep them protected. You have supernatural protection. But there is a second shield referred to here. 
And this second shield is one that I'm going to call the active shield. Because listen, God has not just called us as believers to hide away behind his faithfulness while the deep, dark world continues to get deeper and darker. He's called us to fight. He's called us to take some ground. He's called us to get out on the battlefield and share the good news and see souls won from hell and put into eternity with Christ. That's, that's our job on this planet. And so the second shield is an active, active shield that we are supposed to use to fight with. And it's called the buckler. And uh, I have a buckler here today. <laughs> Come on. Now... You've probably seen this before. Um, a buckler is a small shield that is used in hand-to-hand combat. And when you are kind of fist-to-fist, sword-to-sword, hand-to-hand in the midst of the fight, this shield is used to deflect the blow of an opposing enemy. Someone who's right by you while you're in the middle of the fight, this is used to move their sword or move their weapon out of the way. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, Olympic fencing, uh, first of all, get a life. Second of all... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was uncalled for. Uh, but you've seen this. It's what the fencing guys use to deflect the, seal that's, uh, the, the, the sword that's coming their way. And again, this shield is used when you are in the midst of the battle. It's not a shield you hide behind. It's ineffective to hide behind. It's too small. But when you're on the battlefield, when you're in the middle of the fight, when you're going through it and it feels like the enemy's coming at you and throwing blows your way, this is the one you take out on the battlefield. It is your very present help in time of need. And this shield is used to deflect. Somebody say deflect. That means that something is coming your way. That means the enemy is actively attacking you. What are you being attacked with today? And what do you need to deflect? If you've been given a diagnosis, you need to deflect that diagnosis with the shield or the buckler of his faithfulness. You need to say, okay, I know that I've been given this diagnosis, but I hold up the buckler. I hold up the faithfulness of God and I fight with this thing because I remind myself that God is not going to let me be taken out by this sickness because I've seen others healed of this thing and I've read about people who've been healed of this thing. And so I'm going to trust that this thing, although a thousand die next to me and 10,000 all around me, no, not me, not my portion, I'm going to be healed. If you've been given uh, an, uh, papers in an unemployment situation, which I know a few people in our church right now who just received that, this is the shield you need. You need the buckler. You're in the midst of the fight. You need to be able to say, no, God has provided for me up until this point, and I've never seen his seed begging or needing bread. He's got me covered. I, I can fight with this thing. If you are still fighting for a lost family member, someone who hasn't come back to Jesus yet, or a friend or a coworker that you've been trying to share the gospel with, you are in the midst of the fight, and you need a buckler. You need to remind yourself that Jesus is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. And he's going to be faithful to his promises. If you pray, he'll move mountains on your behalf. If you pray, he will open up heaven on your behalf. You just continue to fight with the buckler. And when the enemy comes and he says, no, that person's mine, or that diagnosis is terminal, or your situation with your finances is spoken for, you need to be able to deflect the lies of the enemy with the buckler and say, no, I'm trusting in the faithfulness of God and I'm fighting with it. This is used to deflect fear and doubt. When fear and doubt are assaulting you, you deflect with the buckler. And I know what a few people are thinking this morning. They're like, okay, that's, that's cool that you have those amazing stories of God's faithfulness. But um, I'm kind of new to this thing, and I don't really have a track record to bank on. I haven't seen that stuff. Like, thanks, preacher, for talking about, oh, I've seen people heal of that. I haven't. I saw my family member be taken out by that thing. So am I shieldless? Like, do I not have anything to fight with? No, 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 no. On the contrary. 
when you don't have your own story of faithfulness to bank on, you go to the catalog of stories that already exists. Let me tell you, this is my buckler. This is what I fight with 95% of the time. When I don't have a story of my own, I go to the word of God and I look at his faithfulness. The Bible serves a lot of purposes. Yes, it is a compass for your life. Yes, it is filled with wisdom. Yes, it is a manual, if you will. But among the things the Bible is used for, it is a storybook of God's faithfulness time and time again. Historically documented, not fictional tales in here. And when I don't have a story to bank on, I go, okay, Jesus, show me where it exists in your word. And I'll begin to declare that out over my situation. Let me tell you, when, when, when Robin and I uh, set out to plant this church 10 months ago, there was plenty of fear and doubt at the table. There were plenty of moments where I had to find myself fighting against the lies of the enemy. A whole lot of what if questions. What if it doesn't work? What if we run out of money? What if we run out of money? <laughs> what if my kids and my family become the shrapnel of this decision and we drag them into a city they weren't supposed to be in and they lose their faith over this thing. What if, what if, what if fear and doubt? And I'd love to tell you that I was the man of faith that was always like, no, it's going to happen. Because honestly, on the outside, I was like, no, it's going to be great. But on the inside, there was conflict that did not match the outside. <laughs> I, I was kind of the Eminem prophet. Palms sweaty, knees weak, <laughs> arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready. I was that guy, okay? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but listen, time and time again, what did I do? I came back to the word of God, and I reminded myself, no, he's faithful. If he caused an entire church to be birthed in one day when fire fell from heaven on the heads of a few people in an upper room and 3,000 people got saved, I know that when I walk into a city where it desperately needs Jesus, as long as we say yes and as long as we're faithful to do what he's asked us to do, he will build his church because he's promised and the gates of hell will not prevail against what God wants to do in this city. He's faithful. And listen, if you're walking through something right now today and you're like, I just... I don't know where that stuff's at in the Bible. Let me speak a couple of scriptures over you this morning. Some bucklers over you this morning. And this is going to be on our app under the resources tab if you need to pray these things out this week. But here's what it says, Psalms 36. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens and your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and his faithfulness. Psalm 71, I will praise you with music because you are faithful to your promises. Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, 9, he is faithful. He's the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. He's not gonna end with you today. 1 Thessalonians, faithful is he who calls you and he will also bring it to come to pass. 2 Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. He is faithful and that faithfulness is a shield that surrounds you. It is your supernatural protection today. Now, I want to land with this, and band, you guys can come, because I think I'm out of time. Yes, I am. Okay. I said earlier that supernatural protection is a promise for God's people, 
and that is true. But I would be remiss if I did not offer this disclaimer. It is, in fact, a conditional promise. Not everybody is protected. I know that that sounds like bad news. Like, really, you're going to end there? Can we go back to the Eminem quote? That was a little, we could end there. No, I, I would be a horrible pastor if I, did, if I just let you leave. You're going like, cool, I'm protected. I can step out in faith. Because there, there's a disclaimer offered in this scripture that all of us need to be aware of if we're going to walk in supernatural protection. And it's found in verse one. Here's what he says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Those who live, let me keep the P train going here. The promised protection of verse four, his shield, his faithfulness, that promised protection is predicated on the practice of verse one. Those who live, not those who visit, not, not those who show up occasionally when things are going haywire, those who live in the shelter of the Almighty. Let me ask you a question today, and you'll have to wrestle with this one between you and Jesus. How you living? <laughs> What's your living situation like? I'm not asking if you're shacking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. If you are, knock that off in Jesus' name. How are you living with Jesus? Are you a faithful follower? The Bible says to the faithful, he shows himself faithful. Are you the kind of believer that when things are 911, suddenly you pick up the Bible, you start to pray and you come to church every single week because you walk, you're walking through a tough season and then once that thing lifts, you're like, okay, I'll go back to life as usual. Are you the kind of person who said, come hell or high water, day after day, week after week, I'm a man of the house of God, I'm a woman of the house of God, I'm in the word, I'm in prayer, I can't survive without Jesus. I live in the shelter of the Most High. Because listen, if your shelter is erratic, then his protection is not promised to you. You, you, you can visit you don't qualify for this promise. Only those who live in the shelter of the Most High. I, I, I said this earlier, you, you probably don't realize the things that you've been protected from as a follower of Jesus because of the shield that's around you. And that's a comforting promise if you live in the shelter of the Most High. It's also a terrifying reality if you choose to remove yourself from that covering. Because you will experience what it looks like to live outside of His covering. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm not here saying, if you don't come to church next week, you're gonna die. That's not it at all. I'm just telling you, as a guy who's been on the journey for a little bit of time, who's had friends that were parts of the house of God and were raising their kids in the house of God and were in the word and were in prayer and now in a season where they're not walking with him, I've watched sicknesses that people were healed of kind of miraculously show back up in their life. This isn't a threat. I'm just saying. You don't wanna feel what it's like outside the covering of God's protection. But if you live in the shelter, if you draw a line in the sand and you say, no, this is my life. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm gonna be faithful to him. It doesn't matter what storm I walk through. It doesn't matter how difficult things get. 
I'm gonna be a person of the word. I'm gonna be a person of prayer. I'm gonna do what God's called me to do. I'm gonna live in the shelter of the Most High. Then every promise that he made in this scripture is for you. And here's what he says. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithfulness is your shield and it's your buckler. You don't have to be afraid of the terrors of night, the arrows that fly by day, or dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 die all around you, these things, they're not your portion. They're not your lot in life. You have supernatural protection. You have a God on your side and you can stand with confidence no matter what you're facing. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helps you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.